0: Animation fam Wayman here Just uh, coming in in the beginning To let you all know that This episode is recorded Before Quarantine basically happened uh, So I do talk about us being in my apartment A lot at the beginning of the episode So I just wanted to to let you guys know that You know, <laughs> we're not just Recording in my apartment While we should be quarantining This was recorded pre-quarantine um, And You know, I, I just want to also say uh i really hope everyone is doing okay and staying safe during these times and you know even after these times cuz if you're listening to this after we go through all this quarantine i don't know what the future's like but hey uh i hope you're doing well too <laughs> so without further ado Tanika Stats Black and Animated Let's do this. I don't remember everything that's in my apartment like I, like uh, I don't know okay I do I, I know what everything is right now, but sometimes i don't you know
1: (laughs) yeah sometimes it's hard to remember what's in your apartment
0: yeah yeah like uh okay i'm looking around what do i not man i have a lot of shoes well half of them are marissa's uh yeah oh boy oh boy
1: do you remember who this wonderful person is laughing into the mic
0: oh hello oh yeah i don't remember having one of what what is is this person wait when did you move in
1: (laughs) they're doing dabs they're laughing they have an
0: awesome jacket (laughs) like i overly already complimented earlier but i have to have it on record
2: (laughs) you'll never be able to see it (laughs) it's just my gay sesame street jacket (laughs) (laughs) i love it it's my big bird colors we're good
0: Please, gay Sesame Street Jacket <laughs> <laughs> or hang fam. Please introduce yourself to our audience.
2: Hello everybody, I'm Tanika Stotz. I'm an animation writer and comic book writer in Burbank, Los Angeles.
1: Hello I'm gonna double their clap because I can't
2: snap.
1: Dumbledore claps more silently than that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's
0: a slap on I'm the
1: wrist. Like,
0: Oh man, we are very happy
1: to have you. On oh, the podcast. You. you are the you are the second writer that we've had.
3: Well, hey, Jeff was first. I know you. Uh,
1: he's gonna be like, Oh no, don't call me out. I'll always call Jeff out. Always. 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 Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, are you listening? Jeff? Jeff. This is for you, Jeff. <laughs> this is what this you get for not pretty coming pretty to coffee with me this morning. Oh
0: Ooh,
1: Jeff Jeff. Yo. Ooh, Jeff, you can't hang Ooh. out with with us anymore. you about right?
0: to feel this in like no, four weeks, Jeff.
1: <laughs> 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 comes out. While we're hanging out
2: together most likely.
1: <laughs> Jeff's gonna tweet about it like he tweeted about the Deshaun discourse. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Deshaun, we love you. Too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> love, you love you day day, love you day. Hope everybody's doing good.
1: Anyway, being a writer and comic writer and just a super cool person is really dope. How does one come about doing such a thing as writing those words that get animated and put on screen?
2: Psychotically. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Whew. origin story time. <laughs> <laughs> I make my own sound effects. So um, you walk down Crime Alley. Yes. And, and, crime and, alley. and you find like a faceless, maskless man in the <laughs> night, and uh, you start your origin story. Um, no! Uh. Wow, writing comics and then writing animation. Okay, I'll give you the short, abridged version, otherwise the story takes way too long. So, uh, with comics, uh, I happen to be interested in prose writing, Ooh. as many people are. Um, mm. However, I hate the rules of prose writing. Is that like the really like
1: flowery yeah, kind of yeah. cool writing that people use when they roleplay and I get mad because they're doing
2: super extra stuff and I'm like, why are you writing like that? Yes. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. I used to roleplay on
2: Tumblr. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Um... <laughs> I started out as a writer on something called LiveJournal a long time ago. Um, A lot of the fan fiction community came from LiveJournal as well as like BBS boards and um, oikakis and also uh, a little place called MIRC, Internet Relay Chat. Um, It's an old school program. It still exists. A lot of people including myself still use it um and it's where you go and role play
3: hey um
2: that started for a lot of people uh for me it was the beginning of my little nerd life living in my house in phoenix arizona and being able to have contact with the outside world that had same-minded ideas as myself including channels that were dedicated to anime manga comics uh at the time i ran a manga uh, scanlation website uh, but uh i started out in scanlation and uh i have always loved manga i've always loved comics uh but i loved manga just a little bit more um and i was buying a lot of like Ranma one half oh, those original yeah. tanks were coming out and also uh oh my goddess which is coming out from dark horse comics mm-hmm. um mixine was chick's mix was coming out with sailor moon at the time Uh, those were the old singles that were coming out from tokyo pop before tokyo pop was full brand labeled Mm. um so to start my journey it's literally comics uh i worked at a comic book shop in phoenix arizona and uh i wanted to do it i was like oh my god i can totally learn how to art no um (laughs) so that was a lie uh but i had a knack for telling stories Mm. um so much so that uh i decided to be a slam poet for a short amount of time as well that's so cool and i traveled the country for like a few years i did nationals in seattle washington albuquerque new mexico Austin, Texas, St. Louis. Um, yeah. and I was on Slam Teams as well as an MC for various opening bands and also at night at Raves to pay the bills so that I could afford my apartment. Whoa.
1: Can you do a poetry right now?
2: Whoa. <laughs> Can I do a poetry right now? No. I, <laughs> I, so, so I like, literally I was, do not no. do slam poetry anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but they say that I have more scars than I've had Stitches, hairline fractures who create Ivory chasms who lead to Nowhere but to ponds which taste like Tomorrow, who've been known to cascade Horizons of misty morning songs that Wake up and make me remember the dreams That I used to believe in So oh that's God. like just a little off the top So anyway oh um... <laughs> There you have it I'm not going to do the rest cause oh, no. I don't get paid to do the rest anymore <laughs> And honestly I hate poetry voice
0: um
3: because
2: <laughs> <laughs> everybody has their <gasps> and you know it's yeah. it's, it's like dramatic uh, it's, they're, poetry they're very voice. dramatic I'm, I'm i'm so into my piece <laughs> um they're, they're, so,
1: they're all like um i can't even remember her name but the cool like girl in the po the, the poetry girl in the extremely goofy movie oh
2: like yeah, oh, yeah actually Uh, Another reason why I got into slam, uh, other other than um, Saul Williams, which I had seen his VHS VHS copy of Slam back in high school, and that led me to end up finding my nearest local slam cafe that I could join, and I did, and that was like the beginning of everything.
0: That is so. I like. Yeah, when I was really unique.
3: (laughs) unique. Yeah.
2: So. really weird that's why i'm like it's a really long story with a really <laughs> short pat. no um it's okay so uh i was always into comics mm. i love them i think the world of them i especially love manga and manhwa and i like chinese comics too like they're dope you-, you can read a lot of the boys love and girls love series that are coming out of china that's like seriously progressive movements about fighting homophobia and mm. such um in a very media controlled country so i didn't
1: know they had any they probably not i mean i know that there's been like some anime coming out but i didn't know they had any of their own manga coming out uh, there's
2: actually one of the largest television series that just finished airing is based off a bl series called the untamed it's on netflix right now um it's fully in chinese uh but it was based off the um demonic cultivation series which is another huge uh it's a. It started as a web series, so a, a novel, like a serialization, like light novel. Mm-hmm. And then it became a manga. It became an anime. It became I'm a TV sad. series. Wow. They just were like, cut out the gay. <laughs> and I'm like, but then the actors were like, oh, these dudes are gay. We're gonna play this as gay as possible. So oh, you're yeah. seeing this representation, like mm-hmm. even in their TikToks and even in like their different forms of media. Uh, they're they're still they know what the source material right. is. They they it's their own way of fighting. You back. can't hide this.
1: And, mm-hmm. and that was the other
2: part. Um, growing up in America in like the 90s and 80s, mm-hmm. um, LGBTQ youth didn't really have a voice at the time. And yeah. in manga, you found that voice. You found gender bending and you found uh, other queer themes that existed that weren't necessarily spoken about or touched upon here, mm-hmm. you know, um, Sailor Moon's Kissing Cousins. You remember Haruko and Michiko. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's just <laughs> gal <pals> and <laughs> yeah Yeah, gals <laughs> being pals. Um, mm-hmm. Like, that was the start for me to understand that I could tell my stories, but not only that, I, I could tell them, and it would have not only an audience and a reach, but it would also, it would exist. And that's all I wanted to see because no characters look like me or emulated like me or mm-hmm. had ideas like me. So mm-hmm. I found myself gravitating towards manga. I mean, I was still reading, like, X-Men and stuff like that. Manga was, like, really expensive when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But, like, uh, then Tokyo Pop came out and they started flooding the market. The mm-hmm. price went down on those books pretty drastically. Right. Which was kind of a, a, a really great godsend. So Tokyo Pop still sucks. They're called Tokyo Poop. <laughs> End of story. Anyway, um, is Tokyo um, still they came back. Yeah, like, Pop right? is still around. Oh. Uh, they owned a lot of people's IPs for a long time after the whole Rising Stars of Manga debacle. I, really and, remember. Re- um, I remember
1: reading those little like Rising Stars of Manga pamphlets with like a uh, Peach fuzz and yeah. uh the other uh, I don't know like there's
2: this other cool Gothic one by like. I, somebody, it was like really cool, mm. and there was Devil's Candy, which was owned by them for a while. And Rim got her IP back, and mm. then oh. she just did a really successful Kickstarter on releasing the book. Oh, okay. cool. So, anyway, how did I get started as a <laughs> writer? <laughs> <laughs> Tangent, sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> um, I started writing comics for a small Uh, publisher called Manga Magazine at the time Um, I was releasing a webcomic called Dragon's Lullaby uh, with an artist who wanted to work with me who then decided that they no longer could work with somebody who is gay uh, and overnight sent me like a Dear John letter that they were a born-again Christian and that we would never make a comic ever again after we'd been working together for two and a half years. Oh, so, God. uh... Oh,
1: as a Christian myself. That's not cool, bro. That's not cool, bro. They, no. they, live, in, cool, bro. they mm-hmm. live
2: in Malaysia. I have no hard feelings about it whatsoever. Uh, they lived in a different country. It, it was a different time. Back then it was early 2000s, like mid-2000s, 2010, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. So... A lot was going on. I can only imagine what hardships they might have faced to have to say those kinds of things. Yeah. And I hope only that they're in a better place now mentally yeah. and that they're accepting of everything. Because that's literally how we met. We're still on a gay, yaoi site. So I'm like, uh-huh. oh, okay. like, you've got your own stuff going on. And yeah, I'm right. not here to judge you. But like that was where I got my start. That's where I cut my teeth.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: um after that i was writing a really cool like prose story with my wife well my future wife mm-hmm. and uh hello. it was called <laughs> hello <laughs> um it was called grand War, and um it a book about a book about a book is how I like to <laughs> it's how I like to elevator pitch it um it was a a comic series about a man who discovers a book, and inside there's a world that already exists, and that world begins to spill out of the pages into his own. you yeah. made it is isekai, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty Thank much you. hey yeah. <laughs> and um and uh my wife uh my future wife at the time we were together we were just uh friends we were best friends uh touch philly gap house uh (laughs) she she wanted to draw it and she had never drawn like a full-fledged comic before but like we were learning together Hmm. um she ended up getting internships because of it oh wow Mm uh then became the lead production technician at dark horse comics for five and a half years so how did she get her start (laughs) we were just doing a web comic Beautiful. And and going to Stumptown and Emerald City Comic Con mm. and just various places that we could find uh, mm, comics, pretty much. But the problem was, is mostly everybody there was white. Yeah. And anytime yeah. I would pitch anything, uh, it would go through a white editor, which... They would not relate to the content. They wouldn't understand the content. They didn't really understand why this character needed to be a black boy. We I gotta, don't think little
1: Rebecca can relate to, <laughs> to, to this.
2: So, um, I didn't publish professionally until I got my first editing job, which was with ex-Dark Horse editor, current editor at the time at Steela Comics, Jim Gibbons, who is my best friend, and I love him. He's Mm. amazing as a writer and as an editor, and Jim was like, hey, Sneaky, do you want to pitch? I've got, like, a paying gig. You can do a web series comic. It will pay you really nicely, Mm. and you can get some exposure and also paid. And I was like, all right, I'll do this. So, I released Deja Brew uh, with an artist, and that ended up getting me nominated for an Eisner. Oh, And dang. it was my most self-indulgent work where I just wanted to see a black boy exist in a soft world where it wasn't focused on racial anything. It was just focused on fantasy. Yeah. It was focused on a new interpretation of urban fantasy because, like, I love Reapers and I love, like, the thoughts of afterlife. So it was mm. about... Him serving the last cup to dying gods, mm-hmm. and where they go in their like after form from life. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, and we can
1: purchase this right now. No,
2: no, no, I think it's still on their their site, um, on the Steela website, but I haven't, I haven't touched it or anything like that since then i'm actually redoing the entire series from the beginning so it'll be available for free because i like my stuff being accessible to uh all Mm. types of people Mm. um and then from deja brew i did love circuits love circuits is about a 25 year old woman who wakes up to a refurbished mandroid in her apartment (laughs) and uh and she's afro-latina and how she has to navigate The world where uh technology is accepted but only to owe so much of a degree Mm. and how she's actually learning to love from a robot versus from herself because Mm. she's had a string of bad relationships Mm. Mm. um and then after that i did um uh, a few comic series uh i co-edited or assistant edited on the first beyond the queer science fiction and fantasy comic anthology Mm. we won a lambda literary award for that and then i created elements fire a comic anthology by creators of color yes Mm. yes we won the Ignatz and then the eisner for that so Uh, yeah so that was fun and then um i've just been creating comics like i just want to tell my stories i don't really care who they resonate with to be Mm -hmm. completely honest Mm. i want to have fun, get people paid. And I like to have platforms available to do this Mm. where I'm not told that my ideas don't resonate with people when most of these people don't even know what the actual world is like. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and also I was tired of generic white voices stealing our stories or our identities and therefore capitalizing on them Mm -hmm. and then never recognizing or doing anything for our communities whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's why I started writing comics because I felt There was nobody who represented me in comics. Mm -hmm. And the only time they ever want representation like us in comics is if it's somebody who's already popular, famous, or whatnot, that they can therefore be like, all right, here's your book deal, but Mm -hmm. we're going to ignore everybody else. Uh, And I refuse those book deals Mm -hmm. often. Um, And I refused any time that I would be underpaid versus white counterparts Mm -hmm. as writers because I'm very open about talking about money and if you do not pay me xyz i'm not going to work for free and i'm also not going to accept your table scraps so bye um <laughs> mm-hmm. so it was good it was good i wrote a lot um i made a lot of good stories that i really love and i work with a lot of great people in my life like ria martinez kami fortuna and uh jenway who also like to tell the same types of stories as me fun energetic hyperactive active uh, our mixes of culture inside of it. Um, Yvonne King, who's the main character of Love Circuits, uh, she's conling, so like we have uh, bilingualism in, in it as well, and that was reflective of me uh, living with Genway and listening to her talk to her mother and code switch, and just like I was like, this should exist. This should exist not just for you, but for many people who I know want to see this exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's let's just co do this, like. I don't have to be the sole creator of anything. That's boring, but I love to be the co-creator of lots of things because we make these worlds together and there's no way that we shouldn't both benefit from them, so that's another thing that I like to do. That's (laughs) (laughs) really. That's really great that, like,
1: you just have this desire to, like, help Mm. bring in, like, that collaboration for, like, Mm -hmm. creating Mm -hmm. these stories and, like, I don't know, just creating stories that we typically don't see people of color in those roles, like, you know, like, why can't we have a Black Lord of the Rings? Like, why can't, like, Mm -hmm. Black people, like, be in roles like, I don't know, like, like, Stranger Things, but be the Eleven, not the token black kid on who the side yeah not the token black kid who doesn't get
2: like a full-time deal until like five years in the series or something like that yeah. right uh, really oh <laughs> snap i didn't know that like you finally made like a full character instead of just a guesting character or anything mm-hmm. like that wow you think about like the heyday of like black television even in the 90s i grew up watching like fresh prince of bel-air and yeah. family mm-hmm. matters and, all the other good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we just disappeared.
3: Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Like, we just... Like, it hit, like, early 2000s. And early 2000s like, Alright, we gave you enough.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. You have the Dave Chappelle show. You <laughs>
0: shouldn't be so needy.
1: It's really interesting. <laughs> I saw... I don't remember. I think I was watching some sort of doc on Netflix or something somewhere, and uh, a lot of, like, black sitcoms were attached to, like, what was it? Like... It's like on in Chicago it was channel fifty, I think. The U mm-hmm. I think it was called. Like it was like a basic T V cable channel. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them like were in syndication and kind of were attached to that. But UPN. Then,
3: like,
1: maybe it was UPN. I remember UPN. I think U. United U. Black Network U. is yeah. what we always called it. <laughs> I think it was like yeah, it was like the U, UPN, I think that I think we're talking about the same thing. Okay. Um, but like I guess the networks sort of just sort like cut deals. Like, sever the ties with a lot of the people yeah. that
2: were doing stuff. At the the Wayne and Brothers dropped out too. Yeah, like, that was a big like, cut for like, black television. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: when they were doing Living Single or, um, what mm-hmm. was it, uh, Girlfriends, like, all that just vanished because mm-hmm. of, like, they cut ties with all those people. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the exact details, but I remember, like, seeing a vague doc that's in the recesses of my mind but Mm. this is like bringing up like the image and like "Ah, i gotta find it again Mm -hmm. but yeah that's just interesting that you bring it up i'm like oh yeah black sitcom television just sort of vanished vanished Vanished.
2: i went from watching arsenio hall to like maury povich i went from like watching um living single to like Nothing because my friends were watching Friends, and I don't watch Friends because it's mm-hmm. bad. it's friends not
1: isn't really even that good.
2: Slam! <laughs> I'll just tell you the truth. I hate Friends. Every time I'm in an office or a writing room, and they're like. Friends and I'm like, can we not? <laughs> can we talk about something that was actually funny? Um, and they'll be like Frasier and I'll be like, God damn it! um there are it only two television it. shows that you watched in your entire life while growing <laughs> up. Um, Third Rock
1: from the Sun and that it? show
2: has problems. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like I didn't watch Home Improvement. I didn't watch. Uh, uh? I watched Sequest. That was. But I I only watched Sequest because I was waiting for Xena Warrior Princess or <laughs> Star Trek The Next Generation to come on. Like mm-hmm. I didn't watch it because I wanted to stand by the water fountain and like chat with you about it. All right, Marcy, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> stop it. Um. So that's kind of how I felt about it. Um. But those those things inspired me to write. Mm-hmm. Um. To write the things that I wanted to see, and to get me. I don't know to give me therapy in some sort of way, like, mm. where it was, like, we've gone so underrepresented and unrecognized for so long. Why do we have to cater to these narrative points that don't even see us as people? And, like, the only things they think of is, like, Black television, like, Roots by, like, Alex. Uh, Haley. And I'm like, yeah. and then the only time they think of making shows with us, they're slave shows. And mm-hmm. the only time that they think, like, you know, or they put Black people in, like, game of thrones to like behead them or you know you, we are these token characters these abused bodies that are mm-hmm. allowed to just be like continually
1: so mm-hmm. i wanted to make
2: comics where there were no white people <laughs> mm-hmm. and i did it quite a few times and i i was just like well you know like this world is a very crazy mixed world uh, i have a lot of uh brothers who have wives that come from other countries and their children are beautiful blazions and and you know like I want to see that world reflected for them mm-hmm. while they're growing up, so that they have something to see themselves in. So, mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I would snap, but I can So yeah. you snap. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
0: I I think it's so brilliant to uh to come at it that <coughs> angle of wanting to uh like bring in that representation that you can't you're not seeing or didn't see you're literally and,
1: being the change that she wants yeah as cheesy as that phrase is <laughs> you are literally doing that
2: i mean i gotta give it up to like octavia butler and a bunch of other ladies who have helped wean me as far as like science fiction is concerned um nk and roxanne and such like that like there are many of us out there but it was just these peers like these small like little threads like i was a black girl who was in anime uh how many friends did i have Like zero <laughs> uh because that was weird to them at that time now i see tons of amazing black girls wearing like dbc and cosplaying and kira please and, mm-hmm. like it makes me so happy that they're able to just be themselves and to have this out loud proud personality that enjoys these things because we've been enjoying them for a very long time mm-hmm. i mean I remember my first anime expo back in the early two thousands, and like going to watch the AMV, uh, (laughs) like video awards, and like enjoying these things and being like the only black person (laughs) in the room at the same time. So Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of great diversity and change, and now you know a lot of black cosplayers. Not to go on a tangent, have also been you know brutally like just harassed and Mm -hmm. persecuted for just being themselves and it's really it's really messed up. But like again, that's a part of the creativity that inspires me and watching them fight through that adversity and continue being the top and continue Mm -hmm. being the best does nothing but inspires me to do the same. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I remember I was one of my first you know,
1: one of my like second cosplays, I was a character that was not Black From persona. Okay. And because I really liked that game, and the first time I cosplayed played, I was Yoruichi Ishihon from Bleach, and then the second time I was Yuko Nishikawa from Persona Three, who is, I believe, she's just a tan Japanese girl. But I'm still not a claimer because you know you got you got you got to pull up scratch <laughs> sometimes. I'm like a claimer. <laughs> she's, she's black.
2: Um, it's okay. Canary from Hunter Hunter. She's actually What's on up, my. What's up, baby? She's actually on my. <laughs> she
1: was next on my list to cosplay because I'm going through Hunter Hunter right now with my oh, boyfriend, wonderful. and I'm just like that one.
2: Yeah. Yes. Canary 95. Like blew my brain.
1: But the second time I cosplayed from Persona 3, I was going to be the main protagonist because in 3 Portable you could do uh the original like male character from the original round of the game Mm -hmm. or they decided to in the psp version they decided to have a female route and i wanted to be that character but i was nervous about like cosplaying someone who was not dark skinned and i was just Mm -hmm. like am i allowed to do this what am i supposed to do and then, I don't know, I just didn't really have the confidence at first to do it. Mm-hmm. But I ultimately decided, like, yeah, you know, I'm not the black version. I am just that character. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, seeing other people do that sort of helped me out. And, like, I don't know, just, like, what you're talking about really resonates with that line of thinking of putting that um out there. So that way, like, people can know, like, oh, this is this is fine. I have nothing to worry about.
2: Yeah. And it's yeah. just really, somebody just needs to do it first sometimes. Yeah. And that's really literally it. Then you feel empowered and you feel seen and you feel like, ah, oh, I can do this too. Um, I went many years not doing it, but I had a really cool friend uh, by the name of Deandra. Uh, I think her old name was like Honey Bunny. Um, She was a cosplayer that I knew of back in my Arizona days. And she did the most amazing fran from Final Fantasy oh, yes. 12, twelve. And she ended up going to Japan for the national uh the international cosplay and she won. Wow. So uh, Awesome. like there and and that's like, you know, a part of history that's not really like talked about or known and whatnot, but like she did like Princess Lark from um Gunbuster mm-hmm. or Diebuster Two, like It's it's the people who have been in my life who've been powerful and strong enough to even though they have to sit through like a lot of bullshit to still go out there and be themselves. It's inspiring. I feel like I've surrounded myself with inspiring people. And that's enabled me to continue doing what I do because I see them doing it. So why not? So Mm -hmm. I started a publishing company. (laughs) Oh, heck yeah. (laughs) Uh, I started my own publishing company and it was very successful. And uh, because of that, because of everything that I've done. um... Black owned business excellence. Yeah, right. Mm I think it was 2017, 2016. 2017 I'm pretty maybe I don't remember anymore (laughs) it's too long ago uh, my agent, my literary agent was like, hey, Cartoon Network wanted to know, it. are you interested in cartoons? Oh, snap. Like, I was like, uh, yeah. And <laughs> she was like, have you heard of Steven Universe? And I was what? like, I don't know who that is. Uh, <laughs> I was Steven like, who Luke? is she? I don't even know her. <laughs> she doesn't go here. She doesn't here. Show here. <laughs> go here. Or you're that like, racist kid from the Forest Gump bus and you're like, can't sit here. Um... <laughs> It was just like <laughs> y'all all remember that kid don't <laughs> um, So anyway, uh, I was like, "Sweet, cool, this sounds amazing." And I figured this was just like a general cuz they were like, "We'll Skype with you." And I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." So I was like wearing a really nice blouse and like no pants and like <laughs> sitting on the couch of my house with like my laptop all set up to my face and not my no pants. And um, <laughs> You should have shown the no pants. I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, hello, oh, boo-yo. And uh, <laughs> I get the boop, 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 boop. And I'm like, Skype, cool. And I connect. And on the other side of the screen is just Rebecca Sugar. And I was like, what? Whoops. <laughs> uh, a oh, wrong, wrong wrong, wrong Is this a wrong call? Oops. Is this a prank? Um it was Rebecca sugar on the other side. And uh I remember being in awe and just being like, Wow, this is really happening. And we had the coolest conversation for like way too long. It like <laughs> ran into like Rebecca's next uh call that they had to make and I was just like that was really cool like even if nothing comes of this like that was really cool but we exchanged emails and like phone numbers and stuff and because I wanted to send Rebecca some books and Rebecca wanted to send me some books and I was just like uh, or no Rebecca was like hey uh, do you want to meet up and I was like whoa uh, I'll be at Comic Con because uh, I was nominated for Deja Brew. Mm-hmm. I was nominated for my Eisner and I was like I'm going to actually be at Comic Con do you want to like should we meet up and we did uh outside of this bar, uh I was standing, and this drunk guy was like trying to jump over like a fire hydrant and like missed and like oh no, and like I went to like go help him up, and like I cracked a joke, and like this other guy is like laughing, mm-hmm. and like uh we're just all like hanging out outside this bar. And then Rebecca comes down. And she's like, oh, hey, Steven. And I was like, oh, I've been chilling with Steven Sugar. And, like, <laughs> I didn't even notice it. Oh and then, like, we go upstairs, and the entire crew universe is there. And Ian joined oh, us yeah. later. And I got to meet everybody. And it was just, it was brilliant. It was amazing. And then so, again. you had the job. <laughs> no, I, I didn't know. So, I got
3: really scared. You were sure
2: You were a, a part of the crew.
1: I drank a lot that night already had the Cartoon Network employee bed.
0: You her. got so drunk that
1: you just got the I job.
2: Just got the job. <laughs> I drank like some bourbon because I was like Maker's Mark and everybody <laughs> else was having like beer and stuff and I'm like, <laughs> I'm an old man. Like, <laughs> I like my bourbon like I like my women brown. Um, and it was it was really good. Um, <laughs> I was having <laughs> I was having a really good time, and we were just talking a lot, and it was great, and Ian joined us, and I was, like, talking about being on IRC, like, back in the day, and mm-hmm. Ian knew what I was talking about, because Ian had also been on, like, IRC and knew all the stuff, and it was... He's like, you was, can't hide those days from
1: me. Yeah, I couldn't,
2: I couldn't <laughs> hide. Um, it was just a great conversation. Like, we had a great night, and after that, I was just like, you know what? This was fantastic. Talk about a way to, like, go lose an Eisner. Like, I got to meet Rebecca. I don't care anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. I already knew I was going to lose, but this, like, made it a million times better. I got Mm. to meet you and hang out with you, and I am really appreciative of that. Like, thank you so much. gave Mm. gave them a hug and, like, said my night. Peace out. Some months later, uh, I got contacted by a large publishing company that was like, we'd like to pay you a large this big amount of money that I've never seen before <laughs> to be uh, an editor for us, like a senior editor. And Ooh. I was like, whoa, okay, cool. So like my comics writing had gotten me, you know, notoriety to other companies. yeah. And they had offered me a big deal to the point where like they, they were like, we're going to be in Portland. Do you want to meet up? Like they offered me a really nice job. And uh, I let Rebecca know. And and Rebecca Called me and was like, like, Nope, don't do that. (laughs) Called me and asked, uh, Will you wait for me? And told me the reason why, uh, which was that the Steven Universe movie was being made. And I was like, Holy crap, this is huge. This is big. This is like, Oh my gosh. So I was like, Yes, I'll wait. Like, there's no reason why I shouldn't wait. Um, You're so open and honest and uh, humbling. Like, as a human being, Rebecca, it just, like, radiates just positive, chill energy. And mm-hmm. it was just like, yeah, I want to work with you. I love collaboration. I love working with artists. So this is, like, the penultimate artist to work with in my field at this time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so fast forward, wife quits job. We find a place in, like, three days here mm-hmm. in Los Angeles and, like, pack up a 26-foot truck and I drive it all the way down with 13 years worth of memories from Portland mm-hmm. down here to uh, Burbank. And I start a week later at the Cartoon Network. And that within itself was amazing. I meet Lamar Abrams. I meet Mickey Brewster. I meet Jeff Trammell. Mm-hmm. I meet, like, Ben and Matt right upstairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I meet the OK KO series. Ian's right there. I meet uh, Mira Ong Chua. I release a book with Mira Ang Chua like, yeah. I did Road Queen with them, so it's like Road Queen <laughs> thank you, <laughs> she thought it would not have a market at all, which drove me bonkers <laughs> literally had a graphic novel sitting on her desktop that she had drawn on a broken Cintiq <laughs> which I was like, Mira, you are Mira, how? how? you literally work in animation how could you work on a broken Cintiq? <laughs> had like lag on her pencil line and everything. She like, <laughs> dealt with it and drew that entire graphic novel Man. in, like, six months or so. Like, had the idea kicking around for a while, but, like, Mira is one of the most amazing people I've ever worked with. Professionally, friendship, whatever. Like, I'm ride or die for Mira because she's just amazing. Mm. So, my life then took a change. I met Adam Muto. i meeting everybody who's voiced everything, like, Kimberly, as Jasper, and like oh, yeah. I'm sitting in the record booth with Rebecca watching Rebecca give cues, and like it was the most phantasmical time of my life, and it totally changed my entire life trajectory. Mm-hmm. It felt like winning the lottery mm-hmm. like i i I often wonder if this is what millionaires feel like because it's what I felt like being around that kind of mm, creativity and magic and enthusiasm it was another world and being able to then create that world even more um uh i was there when i asked uh about shep and that was before shep was named and i was just like i had this idea for a non-binary character and i was curious about what storylines we could do further with sadie and it was just It was always an open conversation. There was never anything off the (laughs) table. I really really love that. (laughs) That was thanks to Drew Green um, and Rebecca. They went back and forth on the character design. But, like, it was great to be a part of that kind of a moment where that wasn't a shied-away conversation. There's, like, seven years of a history with a character between Lars and C.D., but here I am interjecting and being like, well, what if this happens? And, you know, creating a story and mm-hmm. getting into the heart of these characters that means so much to Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Rebecca's going off on stories about where all of these points and moments came from within their own life. And even the lion, their cat lion. Like, it's like, this is them. You're living in their world and you're getting to play in their sandbox. And it's amazing. And it's different than just doing comics. It's a completely different world. And it, it inspires and it, it ignites so much of a different type of thinking and it's brilliant and then while I was working there I did Elements Earth <laughs> mm-hmm. because I wanted to follow up fire because I felt so enthusiastic and just like I felt like I was healed while I was in the animation industry mm. I'd been through so much crap in comics comics is like full of Nazis and weird ass shit and it mm. shouldn't be when it's Literally table scraps. Like people are literally like, there's imaginary mountains. Everybody thinks they're on top of it, and it's like, I'm I'm not here for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here everybody's on the same page. Everybody's on the same level. I mean, yeah, yeah we all fight for like jobs and stuff like that yeah. in yeah. our own mind price, But there's jobs, right? <laughs> right. right. Plural, <laughs> and and it's not picking and choosing versus other things. It's like where do you get your break who do you know friends are so much more helpful here mm-hmm. i've met so many people in this industry just because people are like i really like you and i like what you write right here please meet these other people who will also like what you write right. and also want you to do more and it's like what mm-hmm. are you serious that's the industry this beautiful place that you get to exist in and be a person and just Mm, just live your life mm. and not have to worry about stuff. And oh yeah, healthcare. Like, <laughs> yeah, <you> do, right? <laughs> comic companies don't offer healthcare. Oh, they, they freelance you. So it's like, unless you're an in-house writer, no, that's mm. like. And those jobs
1: are probably very,
2: very those like, are few. few and far between. Mm-hmm. If you're publishing a graphic novel, I remember back in the day they would offer you. to publish your 250 page full color book and that was supposed to last you a year's worth of whatever time it was going to take you to letter and fix it and lay it out and send it to this publisher who would then Mm -hmm. invest zero publishing money into your marketing do you like difference Mm. overnight difference and i know people who've taken bad deals like that i know people who've lost their ip to bad deals like that Mm. so being here where like people ask you to pitch they ask you for different reasons they want to see what you have going on upstairs and then they'll still put you on other stuff Mm -hmm. like it's there's multi-facets to this industry that are much more invigorating and definitely more like mental sanity is like up.
0: So coming from uh, writing in comics, I imagine there's a little bit more um, control over uh, just your ideas and the what the character's doing, what the story is and things like that. And I'm curious about like what it felt like to have a lot less control. Like um, Like you're coming in and there's already this like huge like lore <laughs> and things that people love about it. And mm. I'm curious about like, how how you felt, like was was there a difference? Like did you feel like oh this is weird or like what was that like?
2: Well first after I stopped pooping myself because <laughs> I had the job, uh, it was more or less just like, Holy moly, this is a lot of lore. I mean, I rewatched the whole series before mm. I got out here to re um reconnect with all of the characters and even then Rebecca was still reminding us of like the internal rules, like garnet never asked questions and uh, oh. yeah like <laughs> like straight up like rules of the world everything is from steven's pov so mm-hmm. if it exists outside of his pov then it doesn't exist mm-hmm. um camera is always on steven and steven's always through the camera so like
1: this is um, making me think now and i'm like that all makes me yeah, <laughs> exactly. like oh
2: yeah she yeah. never
1: really does that question mm-hmm. huh? like she's all they're always look like, <laughs> to garnet
2: yeah huh so, where where did all these like rules come from? Why do they exist? Stuff like that. I it it never felt cajoling like at all. Mm. It never felt like I didn't have a voice in the room. It never felt um kind of like pigeonholed or anything like that. They had a very clear, fun idea of what it was that they were creating. All mm. of them: Joe Johnson, Kat Morris, uh, Hillary. Uh, everybody was in the room, mm. so. No, I never felt that way, actually. I felt freer than when I was in comics, which I felt was, like, definitely way more uh, Mm -hmm. on the, like, writing for an IP in comics. Mm -hmm. So say I write for the Steven Universe comics, for instance. Mm -hmm. That just goes to brand, you know? That just goes to what they want to see as, like, the end result. The conversations between me and uh, Rebecca would be non-existent at that point. Uh, because I'm just going through the Cartoon Network to release a comic mm-hmm. uh, through their through Boom, because they right. do everything through Boom. So I'd be talking to my editor at Boom. I would never talk to anybody on the show. On the show, I'm talking to the literal canon creators, mm-hmm. uh, all of the storyboard artists, everybody who has input into the show. I am a writer, therefore uh, what I write then therefore becomes the canon. So mm-hmm. it's It's different. Uh it's It's like it's hard to like put into words because you have so much more freedom. If the idea flies and you can do it with the storyboarders, then you know, power to you. Mm. You still want to make a cohesive series. Is it Mm. serial? Is it episodic? Is it I mean, if you've watched Steven Universe Future up to the current episodes, it's it's been it's been kind of the original formula as far as like fun episodes that have a lot of heart and meaning into them, and you're watching the character growth of the characters within the story, and you're arcing up with Steven. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's our focal point right there. It's Steven's, Steven's universe, so it's mm-hmm. Stephen universe. Therefore, um, you're just kind of, like, getting into the head game of, like, I get to tell a really cool kid story, but I also get to touch on amazingly deep and very, for me, relatable situations of how I grew up as a child, which was not in a great environment. It was mm, something where I had to take lots of time for myself to remind myself that even though I didn't have this like white picket fence kind of like fantasy reality, which Stephen didn't either, um, there are ways to communicate with kids about deep trauma and deep issues and you can have these conversations and then empower them with the right words or the right way of talking to an adult or approaching the situation so that they can get the help that they need and i thought that that was the most beautiful mind and beautiful way of thinking of these things that are also universal because the gems are characters that are while we can say they're coded x y and z to which race related Regardless, kids are seeing that in a universal mind. They're Mm -hmm. not seeing it in that way yet. They're seeing it in a way where they just associate and they understand. And those are the messages that will go forward with them Mm -hmm. as far as as they're continuing to mentally develop to understand ah, so this is what this means. And if someone's treating me this way, I should say something or I should talk to someone it's it's those messages that matter when you kind of go back and you watch a lot of the old cartoons you grow up with like for me I grew up in the age of Captain Planet where saving the mm. world was like really important mm. and like 1995 it was really big to like recycle and I think one of the longest lessons I ever learned was from an episode of Captain Planet where they were like if you don't cut the Six pack of your soda, a dolphin will get trapped inside and die. <laughs> and I was just like, no, I don't let a dolphin die. And it was serious though for me because I thought, oh my god, I am literally killing sea life if I let this, <laughs> this six pack of like plastic remain. So I must cut every individual square. In fact, I'll cut it all up. And now mm-hmm. we have a ton of ocean, more plastic in our ocean than plastic. Anyway. Um, <laughs> But, you know, that wasn't all just me. It was also you, the listeners. Um, <laughs> but it was something really poignant and important. Uh, and it did stick with me mm-hmm. to the point where I'm now the age that I am. And I still make sure that I cut up those damn plastic pieces. Mm-hmm. And, and and I have a conversation about do not kill dolphins. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that was really important to me. But, like, understanding how that mentally twisted into my mind and grew up with me and stayed with me to this point. Uh, it's really important. So Mm. I hope that this message from the show, I read comments. Like I never comment on them. I know some people are like really terrified, but I do read comments and watching people write like, oh man, this show is really coming for me or, oh, I just had a relationship like this. And, and I really relate to this character in this situation. These things matter because that's part of humanity and part Mm. of life. Some animation just really glosses over a lot of this stuff. And then yeah. some gets really deep into it, you know?
1: So, you talked about sort of the differences between working in the comic world and also mm-hmm. in the animation world. Because comics was sort of where you started out and, like, you, you know, like you lived and breathed it for so long, would you ever go back to doing it or are you still doing
2: comics? And I'm stuff, still right? absolutely still doing, doing it. I have uh two web comics that i do one called casual hex it's a queer paranormal Ooh. fantasy and i guess my love letter to buzzfeed unsolved <laughs> and the fact that make it gay you cowards um, you know like be gay do crimes be gay do crimes um <laughs> and then i'm also working on killer looks which is the series that i just did an enamel pen series for Ooh. with kami fortuna like i will never stop doing comics I just do not do comics for publishers. You do it for
1: your own company. I do company. it for myself,
2: and I can indie publish. I can go to Kickstarter. Kickstarter literally changed the face of the industry. Mm-hmm. Like I was even on Publisher Weekly Star Watch because of what I was able to accomplish with Kickstarter. Like. Yeah it has changed the industry. Even mm-hmm. for animation it's changed the industry. Absolutely. You had My Moon which was like so yes. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. even when I saw the preview the trailer for it I was like, "Here's all my money." Yeah. And then I met someone who works at Chromosphere. And I was like, "Here's <laughs> all my money." Like it's it's really interesting. <laughs> um, and Rebecca works really close with Chromosphere because mm-hmm. they did the entire Dove body campaign right. for all of that animation. So, so it was yeah. a really yeah. nice that, um very beautiful, positive. Um, yeah.
0: That does the art. Di- that did art direction for Steven. Uh, was it Kevin? Kevin Dirt? Dart. Yeah. Is Kevin Dart. I believe he sp- is at Chromosphere. <laughs> I
2: never got to meet Kevin, but I I believe that's where he went. And, oh, okay. And that's like a small world too, because like you just meet everybody, and everybody mm. kind of knows everybody, and everybody's at least had a freelance gig with everybody in so it it happens really quickly and and just suddenly we're just all together and we're one big happy family Mm -hmm. i miss my big happy family i miss kate i miss jack i miss rebecca on like a daily basis like it's a different world and it's lovely Mm
1: -hmm. i guess that kind of leads into a next question of so what are you uh, working on
2: currently at Animation? Uh, Right now, so after Craig of the Creek, I then went to Hasbro to work on their currently unannounced announced project <laughs> uh, that stars some little tiny horses. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what I can say about it yet. Um, don't worry about okay. tiny it. Horses.
3: Tiny horses. Tiny horses.
2: Tiny horses. Anyone can say anything. That could be
1: anything. That could be anything. And yet it's only anything. one
2: thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like literally one thing. Um, Hasbro? Tiny horses? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I was also on a podcast with my showrunner and she was like, why don't you tell everybody what you're working on? And I was like, Can I tell everybody you that's <laughs> like, <pass> the test. <laughs> like, what, what is this? Are you what trying to you trap you me? It's or... <laughs> coming for me? They
3: can't my me body. What
1: I'm working. Yeah. On. Like, why don't you say that? You say me. <laughs> not me. I'm,
2: like, I'm not responsible. What are my legal obligations here? Uh, but I'm having a lot of fun. I work with a lot of hilarious people, and that'll be another huge series that I just did that'll go on television again. And it's like, Ding. That's amazing. Like mm-hmm. I mean like I have... get those credits <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: It's nice.
2: I have an imdb page. It was like the greatest moment of my life. I was like I've never wanted something so badly <laughs> and not known it in my life. Having that versus like okay, so like I don't have a Wikipedia page or anything. I don't I don't really want one because I feel like that like dumpster dives into my life with <laughs> information that i maybe don't want to have public you mm-hmm. know some people mm-hmm. do like them some people don't um mm-hmm. it's about privacy sometimes i can go a little too far mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and sometimes people have used it to dox people like yeah just be careful with your information out in the world wide web totally um but an imdb page I would I had ever thought at any age of my life that I would have one. No, (laughs) Uh, was I like screaming around my house for like five hours when I got one? Yes. (laughs) Um, Was it kind of like the coolest thing ever? Yeah, like. I'm new to all of this. People, I tell everybody in my writer's room, like, I have no idea what I'm doing here, but someone hired me to write <laughs> words. So I'm going to do it. And there's still, like, my coworkers teach me a lot. They all went to film school. They mm-hmm. all went to um, larger institutes that professionally do these things. They've worked in live action. They've worked in animation. Mm-hmm. And then there's me. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm your wild card. I'm the one who brings up really weird and vague stuff and tells you that's kind of racist and, you know, um, isn't afraid to be opinionated, but at the same time, I want to make the same magic as them, so no. I'm going to punch up to my the best of my ability, and I'm going to uh, be there for you if you need to soundboard ideas.
0: Um, I have a question. So it kind of goes into uh like writing process. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to hear a little bit more about um creating ideas around uh a type of I don't want to say moral lesson, but like uh what do you want Ooh. to the 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 like what is like the or, like
1: the theme or like the values? Yeah, like the value you're that you're, to you're put trying out to imbue.
0: Like kind of how do you like uh bring the ideas or even come up with ideas, like where do you start Is it like, oh, I wanna talk about like how uh, difficult it is to be black in a white space or something like that, yeah. and like then do you come up with the genre or like mm-hmm. what what is your your process of idea generation?
1: And kind of feeding into that as well, um, being in a writer's room, because um, I know because like writer's rooms are like all different, but uh, you mentioned in addition to being on Steven, you're also on Craig, mm-hmm. and those are all board-driven shows. Yeah. So how does you know. And now I'm on a script show. Again. Yeah, how, do, how does that, like, sort of work, come into play as well, being on a board of the show and also try to incorporate all of these, like, themes and, like, values into that?
2: Okay. Uh, so depends on the show, first off. uh, For Steven, it was, um, uh, we had a really clear set roadmap, mm. uh, kind of, where we wanted to end up loosely, and then we were putting in the building blocks together as it was just formulating. Like, there was no real, the the values to the shows that that show were formulating as the episodes were formulating. And that again, for Driven, uh, that means that the storyboarders, <laughs> right, 80% of the dialogue, well, 90% of the dialogue versus showrunner who comes in and does cleanup and, and then there's us. We sat in the room for punch up and like uh, some storyboard driven shows never had. writers sit in on the room Mm -hmm. at the pitch Mm -hmm. it's from show to show like Mm -hmm. every show is different on how they're gonna exist so there's no like one exact way of how it exists how it comes down so anyway um that one formulated, like, we knew where Rebecca was going, like, at the beginning of the season, we had, like, a writer summit, and all the storyboarders were there, and then it was us, and then we had to draw, which was the worst thing ever with people who can draw, and uh, yeah, that was fun and humiliating, and I <laughs> loved every punishing moment of it. <laughs> I cannot draw. Um, but all of my friends can, and in fact, uh, during that writer summit, a specific a uh, drawing of a lot of roses was on one. And then we had to even literally meet all of the roses. Like, that went from a writer's summit to an actual episode. They were not connected. People had actually forgotten that drawing had even been made yeah. Um, mm. at that time in the room. But, like, I went and I fished it out. And I was like, no, no, no. We not only drew this. We, like, wrote, like, this really wackadoodle story because you write a little story and, like, three parts underneath Mm. the drawing and you pass it around the room. That's like the point of the writer's Um, game. And it was so much fun. And I was like, no, 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 guys, we literally drew this. Like, let me go find (laughs) it. So I pull out all these roses. I'm like, look how gorgeous this is. Like, me, I'm like a proud mom. Like, every time I'm like, oh, honey, you did so good. Look at your (gasps) art. Oh my god, I'm afraid I was putting it on the wall. Um, It was so amazing and just like there it was like that was that was like the ethos of an episode mm. like and that didn't have its full formula yet but like the fact is, is we already know what Stephen is like about rose and we already knew what Stephen was about in terms of family relationships it's it's a really hard subject mm-hmm. for Stephen to deal with so ta-da! Ta-da! like you already got your family values like mm-hmm. right out the bat and mm-hmm. like you already have, like, this pre-established history, so you're just filling in the blanks. It's like ad-libbing. It's really beautifully done. Really easy at that point, as you figure it out. Uh, Cray the Creek. Uh, first episode I got to do was Thanksgiving episode, so um, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this, this, the narrator voice should be Keith David, and then it happened, so <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm gonna claim that! <laughs> oh, thank you for listening to me, Matt and Ben! i will continue to give Keith David work for the rest of my life.
3: <laughs> um, I, I love... remember
1: watching that, and then, like, I'm just like, is that, is
2: old <laughs> <Uncle> Craig? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> was just sitting in the room and i was like he should have the deepest voice and i mean the deepest voice (laughs) and it just that was it like that conversation happened my name is craig yeah (laughs) and uh so jeff had already written out that episode like it was a big outline Mm -hmm. like already done ready to go to storyboarders but they needed to hit it again and at that point in time uh i sat in the room and i talked about leftovers and i talked about like The best part about, like, my Thanksgiving was the leftovers I got to share with my friends. And, like, we started having a conversation about leftovers. And lo and behold, uh, the kids all started a leftovers table. And, like, the episode began to change because now JP and Kelsey were involved in listening to this kind of, like, a Christmas carol story from Craig. Mm -hmm. And therefore you get the heart, which was already the episode of the family meeting, like i love the family interaction so much like Mm -hmm. they're they're like they mean so much to me it's like and i remember explaining to him i was like nah y'all are like the fresh prince of bel-air cartoon like this is what i always wanted to see like Mm -hmm. that's what i love this this is cool Uh, and then the moral and the heart of that story comes out with you know it's a relationship story it's a Mm -hmm. piece between Bernard and Craig and their sibling relationship and about growing up and growing away from the kid's table but also still remaining a kid at heart regardless of how stuck up Bernard wants to be (laughs) (laughs) and and it's it's a relatable story, mm. like you all moved on from the kids' table. We all eventually say goodbye. What and how we say goodbye is part of the journey, and yeah. like at what time. So, there you go. You have another relatable situation that happened for everybody at some point in their life, regardless of how it happened. But being displayed on kids' television. Mm-hmm. Um, for the current show that I work on, we write our problems down. Like, what is the the main problem that this show is trying to emulate and mm. answer in the time that we have allotted for it and how are we going to get to that in whatever steps it needs to take. Mm. And I think that's like the most fantastic way to write television. Being able to have a basis of where you're starting your episode from, be it like a sentence or a sentence or two or whatever, like having that understanding, then being able to build the characters around it, especially if they already exist it's really easy at that point it Mm -hmm. might even be considered cheating (laughs) but but consider trying to do that for like a spec script Mm -hmm. you're introducing everybody to these characters you're introducing everybody to these problems you're introducing everybody to these worlds they don't exist already so people don't have a pre-established basis or a base or like a pulse on like how how why is this story important for these kids and and how is it relatable to me? Like that has to come out through the storytelling. So mm. that is your job. <laughs> mm. So you have to figure that out if you're doing it from scratch, how you're going to do it even even when. So, yeah.
0: What what about stories that are um your own personal stories like how uh for instance uh deja brew like if, what was it like uh coming up with the idea of like serving uh coffee tea to to mm-hmm gods that are about to yeah. not exist <laughs> like yeah. how, what is that idea process of uh, making? Like?
2: Uh, that one was like formulated from the time that I spent in the south with my grandmother mm-hmm. and I felt like there was just magic in the air I was like in Shreveport, Louisiana and it was just fantastic and I just remember like the taste of the air was different because it was humidity and it was really thick on my tongue and like there was a swamp cooler. There's just, like, sounds. Sounds, and, like, her house was really quiet and chill. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it was a bed and breakfast, so people would just, they would go out after the morning breakfast, and they'd be gone, like, all day until they came back in the evening to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And some people stayed on the property, they'd read books. They'd go find one of the hammocks and just chill. Mm-hmm. Or they would go out by the lake nearby and, like, skip some rocks or chill and just watch the water. And they get warned that there's gators in the
1: water. Yeah. <laughs> but,
2: like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, to break that, like, very beautiful visual. The gators oh, would just, like, come just out just and chill. That, oh, grab a ah,
0: book and just start like, chilling. Yeah, Everyone's <laughs> delicious. Everyone's um, chilling.
2: Everyone was chilling. And it was just, like, it was for me, I had to work, like, the whole time, you know, because mm. I'm helping her out and mm. I'm, I'm there and I'm, like, just existing. But I don't know. Uh, uh, some point at that time, uh, my brothers came to visit and they locked me in the bottom of the house. So the houses are no. raised. They like they stand on like slight stilts because like it's swamp area. So okay. like most of the houses are like raised. And um there's like side paneling usually all around the side. Mm-hmm. Our house was really nice, so it had side paneling. And they, like, we were playing, like, hide-and-seek, and and I remember, like, going inside, and, like, my brother's, like, closing it on me, and I was, like, trapped in this darkness, but, like, it was raised enough where, like, the sunbeams were, like, just catching and coming in from, like, the bottom, and those visuals for me are, like, really strong, like, they stick with me for, like, a really long time. When I have, like, really vivid dreams or vivid memories, I, like, wake up and I write them down, and then Mm. I try to, like, interpret that into something else, which then I then write like a short story for I just try to come up with like a little story idea and and that's it and I have some really wild ass dreams so like <laughs> <laughs> I have like this little writing book that I carry with me mm-hmm. or just sometimes I'll just stare off into space and I do that a lot and I i am just thinking like my brain is just firing and thinking of an idea or something and maybe it'll lead into something maybe it won't but I'll just jot it down because mm-hmm. I'm a weirdo and I like to still write in pencil and <laughs> uh so I use like little writing books to like just fill with ideas. And then sometimes I'll, I'll pluck from them and I'll put them into stories that I'm currently working on. And that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Like I just use my past and my present as narrative vehicles for like the things that I want to see exist. And I look at like a lot of Pinterest boards mm-hmm. and, and I look at uh places that I haven't been yet. And I wonder what they're like. And mm-hmm. I talk to my friends who I work with and I ask them deeply about like what's it like to live where they live because a lot of them live in other countries Mm. and i just like i i just want to amass a lot of knowledge and just kind of have fun with it and and so i do
1: I think it's about that time, that time for questions.
3: Oh,
0: Twitter no. qu- well, questions, not, uh, questions aside, but Twitter <laughs>
1: questions social media questions
2: we'll, yeah, well, social we'll, call, media we'll questions. call them that from now on <laughs> yeah. we're gonna call them so-so questions, so-so no. questions.
0: <laughs> oh man alright we're gonna call them so-so questions <laughs> just so uh, every guest actor is like what? okay <laughs> why are these questions <laughs> are <they> so-so? so-so?
2: <laughs> I mean we can also call them some questions because it's social media Oh no, yeah
0: <laughs> Have you some you <laughs> Oh, yeah, you called it some questions. Yeah, wow. Social
2: media,
1: there you go. See, so that's how my brain works. <laughs> so I apologize. Yeah, so we have
0: some, we
3: questions. Have
0: some, some questions. questions. Some questions. Get, no, yeah.
1: get it,
2: get
3: it,
0: get
2: no, like, I, I don't, I don't, why are you looking at me? Yeah. Like, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding.
1: So, Gabrielle in Johnson says, when starting off, how do you balance the missions? Commissions your own original concepts in daily life. I often feel overwhelmed by survival jobs, air quotes.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh I've worked a crap ton of survival jobs. Uh my first being at a Sun Coast. My second being at an EB Games. Uh, I worked at a Starbucks as a manager for three years. Oh, wow. I worked tech support for Disney. And then I wrote an episode for Disney. So it's like, you know, you, wow. <laughs> you, you live life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also didn't have these opportunities until they presented themselves. So I had a lot of life to live between that. Um, I worked at a printing house for a while, uh, climbing inside of printers. Digital and wet labs, and learning how CMYK works and dye sublimination. So, I work jobs because they pay me. Mm-hmm. And this before here was just a passion and something where I like to pay people. So, I work, I save, and I pay. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But, like, survival jobs are great. Like, mm-hmm. why not? I have a I have a lot of friends who are like, Oh, I work as like an account manager or like I'm a an accountant but I really love writing. I'm like, Keep loving that job. It's gonna <laughs> keep paying you. And, and I promise you there is no age limit. You don't have to do anything by X amount of time or you don't matter to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. That's just a made-up myth and concept and people who want to be on Forbes 30 Under 30. Yeah. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I don't want to... I would be on a different magazine at 30 <laughs> Under 30 and it would be like, what juvenile offenses did you get away with? <laughs> um, so no, like, survival jobs. Have them. Mm-hmm. Don't feel shame about them. Uh, keep going and doing your daily grind because who else is gonna do it? You have bills to pay.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I think too that um they were they seemed like the balance of that life I suppose is just maintaining that grind and never giving up. Like, I don't know, I would also add, like, self-care is important (laughs) when you're doing those survival jobs and trying to maintain, like, doing commissions and all that jazz.
2: I go to We Spa, like, every Mm -hmm. other week and just chill and uh, relax in the clay ball room and just, like, sweat and think and swim and dry sauna and hot sauna, like, you have to be able to take care of yourself. Nobody else is going to do the same amount of work. Like, mm-hmm. you know, our legs get ashy if we don't use lotion. Like <laughs> Moisturize, well, y'all. Yeah, like, <laughs> moisturize. Like, take care of yourself. Have mm-hmm. fun. Remember, like, oh, uh, I found when I first came to Los Angeles, I was like, queer barbershop. And locations came up and i was like what no way (laughs) and i started treating myself i went to folklore first in echo park which they've just moved by the way Mm. uh but i went to folklore and i had a hairstylist by the name of coral who cut my hair and it was like the most fantastic cut because i had lived in places where people literally refused to cut my hair and it told me no and it told me it would make me look masculine and told me that it would make me uh less uh feminine and uh that's i like cool thanks I, yeah. that's what i want yeah. <laughs> i i had that experience in portland oregon and i've had that oh, experience wow. in the south and i've had that experience in arizona mm. i've had a lot of weird like hair care experiences mm. as far as like <sighs> people who would like to just believe that they overrule you in right. terms mm. of when you're thinking about yourself mm. so it is very important and then coral introduced me to project q it's owned of by yeah. non binary barber Madden Lopez. And uh they work that with their wife who does a lot of like uh a tribe called Queer uh is their nickname. Oh and, snap. Uh, <laughs> it's great. like my favorite I, thing I in the world. And Sabine is is <laughs> freaking amazing and like they own this non profit and they give queer LGBTQ youth haircuts. Because, like, the empowering thing is, like, people don't think about that. Like, what a haircut can do for you. Like, after all those years in Portland, getting my hair cut to the way that I wanted to for the first time was super empowering. And then I dyed my hair and I did all this crazy stuff with my hair because I could finally do it. Mm -hmm. And it was really freeing and empowering. So, anyway, balancing, like, you really need to find your own balance. And I worked at night. Like, I'd go run a nine to five and come home and write some more, and my mm. wife would make me dinner and put it on my table, and I would still be writing. But I kept it up. Did I write, like, every day? Hell no. That's a lie. <laughs> Whoever tells <laughs> you, like, oh, I write every day? <laughs> well, it must be nice to have that much privilege, but uh, <laughs> burnout's real. Burnout is real, and mm-hmm. I don't like burning out. I like, mm, yeah, I just, I like being copacetic and i like being chill and so mm. yeah mm. survive survive. <laughs> survive survive
1: now our next question is from i'm so sorry if i say your name wrong melissa mckindo i'm so sorry if i got your last name wrong please forgive me hey Sneak, i enjoyed meeting you at the mixer last week the comics what's your advice on new comic writers I have an idea and I know the basic gist of the characters and drive for the adventures, but I get intimidated when it comes to writing the individual chapters and mm-hmm. figuring out how to make progress step by step. Basically, I know the big picture idea, but not the small picture, which is
2: equally important. Thanks. Okay. Um. The chunky one. That, that, it's, that's a um, multi part in a slight way, but hmm. it's fine. It doesn't. Just- it doesn't matter because uh, it all comes down to you need to have a story. <laughs> it's it's yeah you have the big chunks you can fill in the small chunks in between. Uh, I do that by uh, what I like to call uh character introspect, which is I have like little books that I carry around, and mm-hmm. it's like I the situations that I get put into. Sometimes I put my characters into the same situation. And I write how they would deal with it, and that gives you what is personality characters need personality that's why sometimes a story can have like this overarching plot and this is like point a to point b but what are all the points in between Mm. what gives the character's body and growth and fills them and you have to actually spend time with your characters and give them life and let them exist
1: Mm. and
2: uh even if that's putting them in a weird coffee shop au whatever (laughs) you have to do do it because that's the fun part about writing because it's it's not just one vehicle that takes you to the end of your story it's multiple depending on like how they're all traveling how they're all crossing and when they finally meet and what culminates from that first climax to a fake climax to the large conclusion of a story like you gotta think about what you're entertaining people with in between as well and what moments of character growth you can give to help them liken to a character. I know a lot of people have been wanting to write, and I use air quotes with my fingers, asshole characters. Characters that, you know, are a little bit worse than Zuko. And uh, (laughs) Even though, you know, Zuko was pretty terrible. He was part of a very, he was part of the Fire Nation. Let's just say he was not great, but like, Look at all of that character development that went into him becoming oh, yeah. a redemption character and mm. you at the end of the day screaming at your screen, Zutara is real <laughs> and, and and uh and hating the way that the showrunners ended the series <laughs> like, you know, but your stand was the real stand. It that that's what you give people to hold on to. You mm. give them something to salivate for in a character and their interactions with other characters, which then breathe forth fandom, but also breathe forth individuality into mm-hmm. each character. Mm-hmm. They're not the same voice, they're individuals. So, having fun and being able to really dive deep into these personalities. Fill out a personality quiz. I've done it. I know so many people, so many writers, really good friends of mine, who will do. Uh, Buzzfeed quizzes and uh, personality quizzes and trait little uh, templates to like fully fully flesh out a character. Don't uh-huh. don't feel shame in that. That's just part of the writing process. You're the writer. You should know these things. <laughs> How tall is this character? <laughs> How what are their favorite likes? What do they dislike? Are they lactose intolerant? Those things make a character human and then make someone go, Oh my god, I'm the same way. Like this character is literally like me. And thus, now you have something to fill out the rest of your story and it's not just one meaty chunk of beginning to end. Mm.
1: That this is really good.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Writers are really cool people,
0: guys. Like you're making me be like You're
1: making me feel like okay. I need to. I need to take all the information. Those are my stories. I want to write right now. everything out. Sure I, to <laughs> <best>. Okay. Okay. We gotta make sure I
3: Okay. Okay.
0: This kind of brings me to um, a question. We're nearing the end, yeah. so um, I I have like an ending question, but I have another question before okay, my ending question. Um, so mm, this is like a mm, how do you? How do I ask this question? All right, I got it. Very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, carefully, Pinky. Up. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do you see yourself? uh doing uh more animation writing like independently like for example like uh doing animated shorts or like um pitching your own show or things like that like what do you, you see yourself in the future of animation when writing?
1: are we when are we
2: getting the tanika anime
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. yes <laughs> it'll be so epic
2: uh, so 2020 i have i've been here for a year two years now mm-hmm. uh since 2018 uh I've been working nonstop. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going out and 2020 is the year that I'm pitching to studios. Oh, they've, yeah. they've been asking and I finally felt comfortable not only developing an idea but having multiple ideas. I don't, everybody's all like only bring us one idea. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's the one we think you're the most excited about. And I was like, bitches, I've been waiting for this opportunity my whole life. I got like 90 million ideas <laughs> so I'm going to pull out the toolbox, and you're going to enjoy it. Um... <laughs> So I've worked on a few ideas, and I can pitch them per company, per age group, per whatever I'm feeling, because I've figured out how to game that market, and to oh, yeah. game that market, mm. and whichever one kind of hits for sales, I've got all the information already done for it, and the backbone work, and everything else that goes with it, including art, so I don't really need help (laughs) no that's really
1: smart because like all these studios like have different ideas on like what works what doesn't Mm -hmm. like we had a friend who pitched to uh one studio and they were like uh well here this might not work here because you know where's the magic yeah where is the fantastical element this might work
2: at nickelodeon but not here yeah And you hear that a lot, and so I'm like, oh, well, that's great, because I have this other idea for you. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Sit down.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like
1: They're about to get me like, no. (laughs) Um, Excuse me. Like, uh, (laughs) you
3: said
0: that the meeting was over. I have 15 minutes of your time. We've only done five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And
2: I'll be here for
3: 35
2: minutes. Enjoy. (laughs) Um, No, I I make every moment count. I remember the first pitch I did was on a pre-existing property, and I feel like I bombed at it personally I feel like I bombed at it but everyone was like that pitch was fantastic Mm -hmm. and I was like oh okay cool because I was just unabashedly queer and unabashedly me and very much so like this is my interpretation and Mm -hmm. I don't really care what your interpretation is or was this is the pre-existing this is how I reimagined it have a good day with that (laughs) and then i got a job like Mm -hmm. uh it's about not having any fear and having confidence and believing in yourself and your idea as much as they should Mm. and that's pretty much how i go into the office and just pitch an idea i'm like i'm really confident in this so i'm gonna do it Mm -hmm. and that's all she wrote uh however i've also met a really amazing uh cartoonist Uh, who works in feature and they approached me and they were like, do you want to do a short together? And I was like, you know what? That sounds fantastic. And they were like, I'll bankroll with you. And I was like, that's even more fantastic. But we also have Kickstarter that we can utilize. Therefore we're not both going broke over this. Right. And they're like, I want to get this experience out of it. And I'm like, so do I. Mm. So we're on a same level right now. And now we're just spitballing ideas and coming up with stuff. And, again, we're working full time, but like we chat with each other on discord and we see each other in person. And like, that's where we're at. Mm -hmm. Um, we're creating and we're manifesting creation and we're able to do these things because we work full time jobs that let us do these things. So, uh, it's, it's brilliant. So 2020, I'm definitely up to a lot of no good. Mm -hmm. And, um, yes, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I'm looking forward to what all my friends are creating, too. Because some of my friends have had stuff in the pipeline for, like, five, ten, eight years. Like, depending on where they've been going with things. Yeah. And now they're finally getting movement on things after a decade of waiting. Like, I want to support them. And I want to make sure that they're in great spaces, too. So, I'm just having fun existing. Like, does it matter if I get anything? Not right now, because I'm also going to... I just signed myself up for screenwriting classes because I had never done live action television. Live mm. action television is different than animation. Yeah. Um, so I signed myself up for screenwriting classes so that I could learn how to do live action because mm. I want to know that too. Because yeah. now I'm here and I don't just have to do animation. That's I can do right. kids television yeah. if I want to. Yeah. I do, do that. so much more. So I'm now just taking the time getting the knowledge mm-hmm. and who knows what I'll have next and that's it is what
1: it is. Uh I'm waiting on uh Law and Tanika, uh special Tanika unit. <laughs> I love
2: that I love that vine so much. That little girl is so amazing. I hope she grew up to be the most bomb ass person. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Uh all right. I am uh... now
1: for your question question.
0: yeah final question and i feel like you kind of like
1: yeah like
0: touched on this a little bit but i feel like this will be a good summing up like answer question Mm -hmm. um what are the type of stories you want to see made in animation and animation content whether it's like gaming or animation or movies television what Anything
2: black. Yeah. <laughs> Issa Rae, I'm rooting gonna, for everyone. I'm everybody. just going to steal Issa Rae's line. Uh, I'm rooting for, black, black. rooting for everyone black. I'm rooting for everyone black. No. Um, God, it is really true. Uh, I'm looking to see animation where the showrunners who are telling black stories or brown stories are brown people as well yeah um looking forward to seeing (laughs) the the division of change Mm -hmm. of who we're allowing to tell these stories be reflected of who's telling the stories Mm -hmm. and i mean i really love being in the rooms i love telling different opinions i love that these people have come together with their hearts and minds and pretty much putting their creative careers on the line to make sure that these shows exist so they can hire people like myself or hire people like Jeff and then give us the opportunities so that we can then go be shoe runners ourselves like we're learning while we're here Mm -hmm. and these are for Jeff and myself people who did not go to college for filmmaking or anything like that Mm -hmm. these are priceless opportunities and that means that We carry not a burden, but we carry a responsibility to make sure that this lesson rolls down and that it teaches and impacts the future behind us because they have to have it just... We want them to be more comfortable than us. They shouldn't have to sit in a room and talk about, you remember that time there were only two black people in a writing room together? Like, we don't want to be alone. We Mm -hmm. don't want to be the only ones. And we definitely don't want this to look negatively on animation. Animation is slowly catching up, but it was coming from a different mindset at the time. But I'll tell you right now, if you're in Cartoon Network or you're over at Disney TVA, the diversity of the people who work there is amazing. It's like we've always been there. We just haven't had the clout or whatever it was that they were looking for to give us our own shows and to give us the height of reaching the same level of achievements as other people have been given in the past, Mm. but they're more open to it. I've never not heard from a friend of mine who is black or a POC who has been like, yeah, nobody ever told me not to pitch. Mm. Everybody's always asking me to pitch. And then they're always working on trying to hone that and try to give you something that you can spark and inspire and ignite that imagination and passion and resonate with a large television audience for So if anything, I feel like it's just grown in droves, and it's going to keep growing uh, with the advent and the push of Netflix animation as well into, okay, uh, y'all now have to stack up to these originals that are coming out, and you have to stack up to anime being more accessible, not just on Crunchyroll or anything. Like, these are the things that kids are deeply into right now Mm -hmm. what are you going to do to match pace that before they outpace you and they disappear into other realms that you can't pull them back from so I feel like that's lit a fire in the industry and there's there's you know diversity initiatives at like every studio you go to and you're like I roll diversity just means you're going to put my name on a list and never call me but you do actually get calls Mm -hmm. and they do actually give you tests and they Mm -hmm. pay for them and they try really hard now because they understand where they've been failing in the past to ignore our voices. And as they as we grow older and as we point these things out, there's nothing but shame that's felt by like a lot of these studios. But mm-hmm. you know, at the same time they're happy because everything takes baby steps. But why does racial why does why does racial alignments take so long it really shouldn't like Mm -hmm. we're we're not like post 1958 like you know right like -hmm. there aren't like people picketing outside (laughs) of nickelodeon being like no integration Mm like that's 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 not been a thing but Mm -hmm. it's like why why has this industry been so slow you know, you look at Hollywood in general and mm-hmm. Oscars so white in general and, and you can apply that to animation sometimes. Animation's yes. so white. Why is it? What are what are these important parts of the conversations when we have shows like the Boondocks and we have important shows like Cannon Busters and whatnot coming out and integrating blackness and black culture into things? It's cool. They love it. Mm-hmm. But where are we at the same time of the conversations? Also, I, fr- I miss Tyler's show, but you know, like <laughs> we were relegated to Adult Swim. We Mm -hmm. weren't primetime. And when we are primetime, it's still with a white showrunner. So, Mm -hmm. yes, Mm -hmm. yes, again, yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's what they find funny about our stereotypes, not about us. Mm -hmm. And that's where the conversation is now. Is this funny? No. No. Um, are we laughing? No. Uh, are we here? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't try to pity or teach anybody lessons. You are a 48-year-old person. You should already know these things. And mm. if you don't, go read a book or Google it. Don't mm. ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not here to explain the world to you uh, because you've decided to ignore my existence until it was in the same writing room as you. Mm. So that's where we're at right now. And that's what's going to be changing. And we can look forward to that.
1: Yeah. Amen. I think that about wraps it up because that was so beautifully said. Yes. <laughs> um, where can our listeners find you and like hit you up?
2: Uh if you if like... you want
1: them to hit you yeah, up. Yeah, if...
0: if you want to be hit <laughs> up. Please up
2: do up. not hit me <laughs> uh, but you may you may come to my website uh, so uh, tanikastots.com is my website mm. you can easily find my portfolio and my information all available there uh, literally my twitter and instagram are both tanikastots uh, it's a name that is easily just me um, <laughs> that's
0: very very great <laughs> it's,
2: it's, 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 it's nice when your name isn't like super wide out there Greg. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm Greg Smith and this has been <laughs> Greg Smith news um, <laughs> It's uh and there's so many Matt's in this goddamn oh, man. industry. Chris oh my gosh. Chris
0: Matt So many Chris's Matt's
2: Bills Bins. <laughs> James uh, John Kyle Dave's. God darn you Kyle. They're
0: like three thieves on my screen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, we don't Problem with your names, but like, you know, like, shush it up or something. Yeah. You know, it's 2020. Yeah. You know?
0: Start naming babies, babies crazy names. Yeah, Come exactly. on, now.
2: You know? That
0: is the campaign, the mm-hmm. platform that Black and Animated really stands on.
3: Yeah. Except
2: for, you know, stop watching Keem Smiths and like naming yourself AA Ron. Yeah. Like, we came up with that. It was funny mm-hmm. it, that you don't need to do it. Anyway. Mm-hmm, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Just name your Child Star Platinum. Why not?
1: Yes. Yeah. Start putting them. I am I love like, I hope I hope people just, get like, straight that straight jo- <laughs> I hope people get that Jojo's reverence.
2: Oh. <laughs> I uh I went to school with a girl named Passion Land.
1: Oh my god. And Ooh. I was like
2: Ooh good child, first <laughs> hey. <That is> a- <laughs> your
0: parents Ooh. were very
2: happy. And then second of all, she, that uh... is just a that is a powerful name. That is very like, powerful. Think name. about naming your children. Yes. But,
1: but but don't be a big weeb and say my, my this is my son Naruto and this is my son Sasuke because I will judge you.
2: Dude, do it. And add <laughs> X's in the front of their name. Like, uh, my name is XX Naruto <laughs> at AOL.com Oh my god. Start naming your
0: kids <laughs> your- with names that have numbers and symbols. Yes.
2: Give them a star, like, get that power in there. Or do, this
1: is my daughter, yeah. hashtag Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> do do the thing like on Tumblr where you get your URL for your roleplay blog and name your child like a fancy like Latin translation of of something like. I love it. Like, <laughs> papilio stulto. Stu, stu, that one is very specific because that was yeah. a, that was a Tumblr URL that I had. Please don't go to that URL. <laughs> go to that URL. <laughs> this is my RP blog
2: from Persona 3. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Name your child U R L.
2: And then when they're like hanging hey, yeah, out they're like my name's Uriel.
3: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> the R and the I and the E they're all silent. Oh
0: Uriel. Um,
1: <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Thank don't you, don't you worry, thank so you for much for having me. This
0: has been such a blast.
1: <laughs> Got a blast. Give me Neutron
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. To
1: keep up with us, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Black and Animated.
0: And be sure to listen for more episodes on blackandanimated.podbean.com and on iTunes.
1: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are of the respective individual and do not reflect the views of our employers. Thanks, guys. Until next time, see you later.
3: This episode is edited by Tyler Schlossman.